0: Welcome to the Marketing Automation Moment podcast. I'm Hannah Kelly.
1: And I'm Mike Maynard. This is Napier's podcast to tell you about the latest news from the world of marketing automation.
0: Welcome to the Marketing Automation Moment podcast. I'm Hannah Kelly.
1: And I'm Mike Maynard.
0: And today we discuss marketing automation platforms and quoting.
1: The complexity of the Martech stack.
0: Questions to ask in demos.
1: And the importance of using personas to build your marketing campaigns.
0: Hi, Mike. It's great to have you back. You've just been in the U.S. for the last couple of weeks. How are you doing?
1: Hi, Hannah. Well, it's really good to be back. We had a great trip to the U.S. and had a week at Seabit and also a trip around the Bay Area. But it's nice to be back, even though the weather's a little chilly in England.
0: Well, yeah, I see where you're coming from there. It wouldn't be quite as nice as Las Vegas or Silicon Valley.
1: Well, Actually, Vegas was quite nice, but Silicon Valley was flooded. There was so much rain that I chose flooded out of my hotel. I had to go and get another hotel because of all the water and the lack of drainage. So coming back here perhaps isn't as bad as I thought.
0: Well, it's nice to know that it's not just the UK that gets torrential rain pour.
1: Exactly.
0: So I'm really interested to know, what was the key thing you'd say came out of your US trip? What was your one key takeaway?
1: Well, I guess here you're talking about marketing automation because that, that's the podcast. So one of the interesting things uh, that became very clear was that companies, particularly companies in the sort of, you know, late stage uh, startup, they tend to have market automation teams, but the thing that's limiting their market automation campaigns is content. So it seems to me, and this is probably not different from, from anyone else, but the people we're talking to were really struggling to get enough content to be able to run the automation campaigns they wanted to run. And I think that that's something, you know, we all need to think about because content is so important.
0: That's really interesting. Thanks, Mike. And I think you're completely correct. You know, there is no market automation campaigns without content. Exactly. Well, let's cover some of the news stories that you've missed from the marketing automation world while you've been away. So, the first thing I wanted to have a little bit of a chat about, and slightly out of the scope of specific B2B technology market automation platforms, but is that Demand Bridge has partnered with Sage to power a quote-to-order workflow. So basically, what this integration provides is a real-time product information coming directly from Sage to include imagery pricing to basically Basically populate customer proposal documents within Demand Bridge itself. So it's quite an interesting concept, don't you think?
1: I think it's really interesting. I mean, Demand Bridge isn't really a classic marketing automation uh, mm-hmm. platform, but it's fascinating that products like Demand Bridge are really needed because one of the big issues with marketing automation is that they focus on the marketing and not the sales. So typically, you're not seeing quote uh, modules within marketing automation platforms. To me, that's something I think that that will come. I mean, I think it's it's something that has to change as we go forward. But today, even some of the uh, automation platforms that integrate both marketing and also a CRM for sales, they still don't have that quote module. It's still external. So it's one big area I hope we'll see improvements of going forward.
0: Definitely. And I think it is a challenge that companies face when they're looking to export from just a CRM that they're using. So maybe it's perhaps gold CRM and they're looking to move over to a platform that's full sales and marketing. And actually, I've come across where they've been like, well, actually, we can do quotes directly in something like gold CRM. And that's actually can be a disadvantage when moving over to a market automation platform.
1: Yeah, I think when you go to these integrated platforms, you can lose some of the functionality that you got with um, a separate CRM platform. So it is an issue for some people. But equally, a lot of these uh, market automation systems will also integrate. And to be honest, once you get to a certain size, pretty much everybody's on Salesforce. So we are seeing that, you know, that Salesforce dominance is still there for the larger enterprises. So it's definitely coming. It's definitely something that could could improve. Um, It's an area where Perhaps the the market automation guys are lagging behind the CRM guys, but I'm optimistic it's going to get fixed in the near future.
0: Definitely. And I think there are solutions out there already. You know, there's integrations, as you mentioned, but integrations such as Pandadoc that can be used to help that quote functionality come back into the market automation integrated functions.
1: That's such a good point, Hannah, because actually even when you've got a CRM with a quoting function, sometimes people use other tools. Pandadoc's very popular because of its e-signature capabilities. And so I think what what you're seeing is this problem where you've got all these little specialist solutions, but I I suspect in the long-term it will be a a process of consolidation and we just have to wait uh, until that happens.
0: Definitely. And I think the mention of integrations really moves us along to my next point, Mike. Um, And this is because I recently came across an article by Marketing Charts. We're a big fan of Marketing Charts here at Napier. But what was really interesting is this focused on the MarTech stack and how the MarTech stack is actually getting too complicated. So the report actually revealed that 40% of respondents in the USA and 44% of respondents in the UK believed that their MarTech stack had got too complicated. Now, when does it start getting too complicated? When does it start getting way out of control?
1: It's interesting, because I mean, the complexity of some of these products, it feels like just one product would be too complex <laughs> uh, if you've got a small team. Um, but, but I do understand that, you know, what we were talking about earlier is a great example where you might end up with a, a marketing automation platform talking to a CRM platform, which talks to a quote platform. And that starts to get complex there in terms of managing just that simple process from getting an inquiry through to, to quoting. But I think the reality is that actually complexity means functionality as well. So today people actually quite like choosing the best product for each particular task, and I would suggest that although complexity can be a challenge because we don't have these, you know, truly integrated solutions actually picking the best solution and then dealing with some of the uh, integration issues can be a better a better way to go about it than trying to pick something that's integrated and frankly doesn't offer the functionality you need
0: I think that's a brilliant point, Mike, about functionality, because perhaps that's where marketers are getting confused, because often these integrations or these platforms all have a use. And perhaps it's just analysing what you're using, what's actually beneficial to what you're looking to achieve. And that's how you can start narrowing it down. So it's not too complex when you look at the bigger picture.
1: For sure. And we're seeing some people trying to integrate. I I think HubSpot's perhaps the best example. And I think other, other vendors will follow. But It will tend to be slower because at the moment, you know, the technology is still evolving. And actually what's happening is we're seeing, you know, vendors concentrate on what they're good at and try and be the very best at that, rather than try and do an okay job across a wide range of different functionality.
0: Definitely. And I think perhaps that's one to watch as we move into, you know, further into 2023, perhaps the second half of the year, we'll see that slight change where the focus on the integrations will be made.
1: Yeah, I think maybe 2023 might be a bit optimistic, um, but but I, hopefully, you know, we're going to start seeing more integrations and we, we've seen that to some extent with some acquisitions as well. So I think it is going to continue, but yeah, I'm I, I, probably not as optimistic as you, Hannah. So I figure it's probably a three to five year kind of process.
0: I'm always the optimistic marketer, Mike. That's me.
1: <laughs> you are. <laughs>
0: Brilliant. Well, I thought another thing we could have a chat about, Mike, Um, as we, you know, we're now midway through January in 2023. And often this is where companies are looking at the different marketing automation platforms they can use. So whether they're going from an existing CRM to go to integrated platform, maybe they've decided their budget needs to change and they want to integrate from one platform to another. So what is really the key thing within a demo when you've got a demo you're looking for your perfect market automation platform what are the questions that marketers need to be asking in these demos to get the real outlook of how the market automation platforms are going to perform for them
1: i love that question hannah and actually uh, martech.org has recently published uh, an article giving the 15 questions you should ask during a marketing automation demo I mean, to me, I think one of the biggest challenges as a demo, it's not the same as actually, you know, using the product and running it every day. Um, And so to me, once you've understood that it's got the functionality you need, which probably you've done on paper anyway, what your focus on a demo should really be is about ease of use and how well the platform fits with your marketing processes. So to me, it's about, you know, how easy is it to use? How easy is it to integrate with what you do? It's much less about seeing the flashy features. You know, that's something you should be able to research outside of the demo. What do you think?
0: Yeah, I definitely agree. But I would also say other important aspects is the training and resources available. So, you know, if we take HubSpot, for example, we know they've got a fantastic training hub. Um, there's account managers per company that help them with any questions. And I think that's really vital as well to really kickstarting with a market automation platform to be successful is are those additional service um, and help features available to you as well?
1: Yeah, you've you got a good point there. I mean, support is, you know, I guess part of ease of use, but it's it's a very specific thing. I mean, however, I I feel that today, most of the marketing automation platforms have realized that their biggest risk is having customers churn. So they sign up for a year and then leave. You know, the cost of acquiring that first customer is probably almost as much as the first year subscription. So therefore, it's very unprofitable if you have customers leave after a, a, a year. And to be honest, HubSpot were one of the first to to work this out and uh, really provide great training, great support. Mm -hmm. But now I think if you look at what's happening in general, the training and support is very, very good across the board. Maybe, you know, slightly different in style for some of the, um, you know, big enterprise systems where they expect a certain level of knowledge. And if you've got people who are really new, then perhaps the support isn't geared to them. But equally, there's also a big third-party community in terms of training, support, and education and uh, you know a lot of people they do tend to lean on their agency as well so we know that quite often our clients when they're talking about issues with their market automation they'll come to us first rather than going to the vendor you know and that, that's for a whole bunch of reasons partly we understand what they're trying to achieve and um, they don't have to give any context partly because you know we're very invested in making them successful and maybe also it's just easier to talk to someone you know and you're working with on a day-to-day basis so I think the support is in, is interesting and important, but to some extent, I think it's becoming solved because the vendors that are successful, almost by definition, have given good support.
0: Definitely. And I know I'm very biased when I say this, Mike, but I have to say, I think you're spot on there where you say, talk to someone you know. So, you know, we have a lot of clients with their marketing automation queries, problems, um, help them launch their campaigns. And I think a lot of our success comes down to that we have such good relationships that we can tell the truth. We can tell them when something's going to work, when something is not the right idea for them. And that really is the benefit of having the experts around you.
1: Yeah. And I think, We probably shouldn't say this actually, it's probably a secret, but (laughs) generally speaking, if you're an agency partner, you get better support than you do if you're a customer. So vendors will give agency partners special access into support. And obviously that's because they assume the agency partner has got a level of knowledge, they're not going to ask the basic questions. So you almost skip that first level of support. So, you know, often talking to an agency, you're actually getting that shortcut into, you know, the more experienced um and uh deeper expertise of the second level support team so a little bit of a secret there as well
0: (laughs) definitely Um, and I think to relate to that as well is you know the things like free trials you know we've talked about user functionality and I think being able to focus on the free trials but use an agency to skip that second step and get that free trial rather than having to go through the long haul of the demos is a real benefit for companies sometimes
1: yeah you're absolutely right I mean. Although trials are are limited, you can never really pull all your marketing automation Mm -hmm. across to a a new platform in a trial. I think they're way better than demos. They, they give you a much better flavor. So getting to that trial and being able to test a few things out, it's not perfect, but it's absolutely the right way to go.
0: Definitely. So, Mike, moving on to our insightful tip of the week, I was having a think about what I wanted us to discuss in this podcast episode. And we are actually hosting a webinar on the 1st of February um, three PM GMT, focusing on customer journeys and really how to use them and how to use them successfully in B2B. And focusing on that, I thought it would be interesting to have a conversation around personas within marketing automation systems, because personas can have a lot of benefits benefits within the customer journey, but also a lot of the functionality within the market automation platform, such as workflows, forms, things like that. So my initial question to you is why bother with personas? If you could give me one sentence as to why personas are so important, why should marketers bother with them?
1: Well, I mean the obvious reason is you make up silly names for the personas. So it's <laughs> one of the most it's one of the most fun bits of marketing is coming up with your persona name. So um, that's clearly a reason. I, I mean more seriously, creating a persona is really important because what you're trying to do when when you're you're doing marketing is you're trying to hit a range of people. Not everybody's the same. But what you really want to do is hit in the centre of that group of people. So you're gonna be most effective at hitting the the largest number of people in your audience. If you're aiming right to the side to someone who's got really, you know, extreme motivations or extreme views, you're probably gonna be very ineffective at targeting the population as a whole. So Your persona is kind of giving you the bullseye in the middle of this much bigger target, which is your audience. And if you're aiming for the bullseye, that's going to give you the best possible results. So that's the really simple sort of technical reason for creating personas.
0: And I think to add to that, Mike, as well, is this, again, screams why content is so key to market automation campaigns, because we can hit the bullseye, but you're going to make sure that not just your email and your messaging is hitting the bullseye, but also the content is tailored to the specific personas.
1: It's such a good point. I mean, different personas need different content. And by understanding the persona, and typically it's around, you know, the persona's pain points, what motivates them, what their goals are. It's content that either helps them achieve the objectives, i.e., ultimately, I guess, you know, when you talk about individuals get promotion or look good in a, inside a company, or it's content that helps them solve a problem. And the important thing is once you, you begin to build personas, you realise that different people involved in a buying decision will actually have very different pain points and very different objectives. And so therefore you begin to realize the need to create content that's targeted at each persona. And not only that, But also these different personas take different customer journeys. So, you know, whilst I say personas persona is great, it's the bullseye of what you're uh, looking to target in terms of your audience, the persona is also great because it effectively defines where you should be focusing your content and also what the customer journey is going to look like. And all of those, when you put it together, fundamentally, the persona should be the foundation of a lot of your marketing activities.
0: Absolutely. And I think it's key to mention here, Mike, as well, that using personas and especially within the automations doesn't have to be complicated. You know, you've mentioned a lot of different things there regarding how personas can work, how it helps within the customer journeys, Um, but it doesn't have to be a complicated process. If you have a plan in place for how the automations can help you send out these sequences and send out this content, then actually it can be a really I wouldn't say easy, but I wouldn't say hard, but a really good way, an effective way to target personas effectively.
1: Yeah, and I think, for example, what you do with, with Napier's marketing is, is great because you've got two primary personas you target. Mm-hmm. And one is, is fundamentally interested in PR and media relations, and the other is very much interested in digital. And actually, it really does reflect the kind of prospects and customers we see. So I think what you're doing with Napier is a great example of how you can simplify it down. And, and, you know, we have other personas, but we have these two primary ones. And you've done a great job about defining what they care about, you know, what motivates them. And then building content that appeals to those two different personas. So much so I know that, that you're actually almost able to define which persona someone is as they come in as a lead by which piece of content they've signed up to receive.
0: Yes absolutely that and I think that's the value of using something simple like forms to identify which content piece Links to which persona, um, and I have to say, when I've been building the strategy and um, for this year for 2023, I've had it in my mind. Okay, well, we want to run this account-based marketing campaign, for the example, and we're going to use this piece of content. And I know this is the persona we're targeting. Um, and I think that's the rule of consistency as well. You know, I've worked at Napier. I'm in my seventh year now of working at Napier, and we've had these same personas. We tweak the, you know, we might tweak their values, their interests as the year and the landscape kind of changes but their fundamentals remain the same of what we're trying to sell them.
1: Yeah, definitely. I think maybe the only thing is that the percentage of, of people we see who are really focused primarily on digital, obviously has increased as, as digital has become more widespread, but we still have that kind of PR media relations persona, they tend to be specialists in a larger organization. So rather than being a, you know, someone running um, marketing, like a CMO, they're much more likely to be a specialist. But for sure you know that persona has served us really well and continues to serve us well so personas i think work they drive your content they drive your understanding of the customer journey and ultimately you know they drive the marketing activities as you say so they're super super important
0: definitely super important so we're heading to the end of our time now mike it's been a really interesting conversation as always before we say goodbye is there anything else you wanted to share to our listeners today
1: Actually, it's a great question. I, I think the only thing is is just to put another note out about the um, the webinar we're running. So if people are interested in marketing automation, you know, one of the most powerful things is looking at the customer journey. And I'd, I'd love people to come and join our webinar. It's the first of February. They can go to our website or check out my you know social media on LinkedIn and uh, sign up. So it'd be great if people could join.
0: Brilliant! Thanks so much for your time today, Mike.
1: It's been great. Another good conversation, Hannah.
0: Thanks for listening to the Marketing Automation Moment podcast.
1: Don't forget to subscribe in your favorite podcast application. And we'll see you next time.